0: Dr. Mark Malone from Advanced Pain Care on how the spinal cord stimulator blocks pain signals, bringing patients relief at last. And we're able to tune
1: this device to mimic that frequency and essentially block it. I've seen people shed tears of joy in the recovery room. When they wake up from their light anesthesia and we turn this device on and they realize their back pain is gone, they cry for joy.
0: Advanced Pain Care at 512-244-4272 or austinpayingdoctor.com
2: live and local every afternoon two to four this is mark melinda and ed on news radio klbj call or text them at 512-836-0590 appreciate the heck out of your show been listening for a long time now mark melinda and ed melinda's off today
3: ed just left Brad Swale is here. <laughs> Hello. Happy to be here. <laughs> and I'm glad you're here. Good to see you. How you doing? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful, beautiful day outside. Tell me about it. Oh I haven't been outside since very early this morning.
4: Mark, I can't do any justice. Come on. it's it's you'll You'll get out there. You'll experience it. It's amazing.
3: All right. Sounds good. Tiger's here producing. We're very glad you're with us. One of the stories we're discussing is the testimony occurring today in the U.S. Senate from the big CEOs of social media platforms. These are the top platforms, Instagram, Facebook, X, so on and so forth, TikTok, Snapchat, and the CEOs are getting a tongue lashing from many of these senators. Uh, The whole topic is supposed to be, how do we reduce the growing risks and threats that our teenagers in America are facing now on social media, whether it's threats from Drug dealers, whether it's threats from perverts who lure them away and do evil things, that's supposed to be the topic of all of this today in D.C.
4: Yeah, it's it's a tragic situation. Obviously, I think a lot of parents out there are are very aware of this, perhaps painfully aware of this, um, and I th- the way that I think it works with the algorithms. You know, when you're on Instagram, for instance, the if you stop and look at a post. They know what you're looking at, and they're going to feed you more of that mm-hmm. uh, from people that you may not know, people that you do know, and they're going to send it to you, you know, whether whether it's ads or just random posts, all that other all that other stuff. This is definitely, I think Ed was saying it in the before the break, this is, first and foremost, it's up to the parents. I'm a parent. My kids are not of the age that they're going to be getting on social media yet. My oldest is only nine. But he's asking already, he has a Nintendo Switch. Can I get online and play games online? Absolutely not. You cannot do that. Mm -hmm. And he asked why. And I explained it to him the best way that I could. I said, imagine I put you in a room with a hundred strangers in real life, a hundred strangers, and I'm not there to help you in any way. Yes. And all of the, you don't know anything about them. Some of them are adults. They could be, they could be angry. They could be mad. They could be evil. They'd be good. You don't know. Is that a room that you want to be in? And he immediately said, no, I don't want anything to do with that. Good. Smart guy. Yeah. Good job, dad.
3: Thank you. Way to go. Now, some of these members of Congress and the Senate are characterizing this as the social media platforms really don't want to do the right thing. They're interested in profits over the safety of American children. Do you think that's a fair characterization?
4: I think that that is, they're certainly interested in profits. And, you know, I saw a video of Mark Zuckerberg. He stood up and he, he, he turned around and he apologized to some of the people that were there at the hearing. And I kind of thought, well, he's he's sort of admitting fault when he does that, and you know, if they if they do something about it, then they're kind of saying, well, there is that there is that problem, and maybe that hurts their profits. I think they're in a real weird position. But at the end of the day, they need to do what's right. They have children on their platform. They're not stopping children from getting on their platform. They need to protect those children.
3: Some of these members of Congress, uh, you may have heard Lindsey Graham say it in the soundbite. We have a lot of laws we're considering, but every time we propose something, you all fight it tooth and nail. Uh, Do you think the American people want to
4: trust this matter to Congress to get it cleaned up and solved? I I think that I think the general public would be fine with that. In all honesty, I don't know. There's not a lot of things that I don't think the general public is against Congress getting involved in. Congress gets involved in all sorts of regulations, you know, from how much water your toilet can flush to all sorts of stuff. I can't see this the, the American public being that against it. I, th-
3: I think that would be a really bad move for parents to endorse that, though. I don't have confidence or faith that Congress would do the right thing
4: either. Oh, no, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I don't think that whatever Congress would do, I don't think it would be enough. There would probably, probably be back doors and loopholes and all sorts of stuff. Uh, But I think people would still support Congress doing something.
3: That's interesting you say that, Brad, because right now in the Gallup poll, the approval rating for Congress is about 6%. Oh, wow. It's it's almost at zero. So (laughs) on the one hand, people are saying, I do not approve of the job they're doing. And yet some would say, yeah, I do want them to fix social media and protect my kids.
4: Yeah, we don't... (laughs) I'm certainly in the you know in the non-approval camp but we keep electing the same people do we really not approve them approve of them I don't I don't see it
3: What are your thoughts on the situation 512 836 0590 would like to hear from you call or text us this is John in Cedar Park hey John welcome how you doing Doing pretty well Yes John go ahead what are your thoughts
1: Uh well while the the uh Interviewing of these CEOs uh, by the Congress is certainly very entertaining. You know, just watching the the blank deer-in-the-headlights looks and kind of the smirking of, he knows it, but I'm not going to... No way am I telling you the truth kind of expressions. That's great entertainment, but if they really want answers to their questions... Why is it they don't call the people that are reporting directly to the CEO? Yes. Call them in front of Congress. They're the people that know.
3: Well, it's interesting you say that, John, because uh, at one point in today's hearing, some internal documents from Facebook were introduced into the discussion, and those documents show that the top people directly below Zuckerberg we're imploring him, do something to protect the kids and teenagers on our platform. We've got to take action. And he turned down their requests, according to these internal documents that were brought up today.
1: Well, and, and you know, that's, that's a good thing, and Zuckerberg needs to be called on the carpet for that. But majority of the questions go unanswered because the CEO is only interested in three things. How much money are we making? How can we make more money? And how can we save money?
3: Do you uh, have a position on this? Do you want Congress to write laws to try to correct this? Do you want to just see pressure applied until the CEOs make changes? Where do you stand on this?
1: No, the pressure needs to apply to the CEOs in the way of valid and strong laws passed by our Congress, that have peace in them. Something that's going to hold these guys' feet to the fire and send them pretty darn good if they don't obey the law.
3: Very good, John. Thank you. You have a good afternoon, sir. We appreciate it. 512-836-0590.
4: Yeah, in the story, they also say that, uh, I guess, Zuckerberg, in written testimony, said that the company had spent $5 billion on safety and security in the past year. Now, $5 $5 billion, that's a ton of money. I don't know how much money do you need to spend to actually fix the problem. If 5000000000 billion doesn't do it 10000000000 is it $10 billion? Is it $20 billion? The problem still persists after $5 billion. There's something fundamentally wrong with your product, I think.
3: All right. Uh, we'll get to more of your comments as well. Coming up just ahead, 512 836 It's Mark and Brad Swale on KLBJ.
2: Mark, Melinda, and Ed are on your radio at 99.7 FM or 590 AM, and you can stream the show live on your digital device via the free news radio KLBJ app.
3: 315 Tigers here producing, and this is Karen. Hi, Karen. Welcome. How are you?
5: Hi, I am well. How are y'all doing today?
3: Very well. Thank you, Karen.
5: Well, I have to do the disclaimer first. I have not been watching the congressional hearings, but... To me, it seems very straightforward that just like we hold a convenience store operator or a bartender responsible for providing products to people that are under age and there are penalties associated with that, these companies are providing access to services that have age limits on them. And if they allow access to, let's say, pornography that has an 18-year-old age limit to a child that's 15, what would you what would be the penalty for a convenience store operator selling cigarettes to a 15-year-old? What would be the penalty for a bartender serving someone who's 15-year-old who came in for a drink? Those same penalties seem exactly appropriate to the, the purveyor of these goods and services, which happen to be things like Pornography, inappropriate access and content, etc. cetera.
3: Are, are you advocating that each of these companies set an age at which uh, people are able to sign up and become members? Anything below that? They're blocked from getting on the platform?
5: Well, initially, I would say the laws already exist that say you cannot watch pornography if you are under 18. These companies should be held to those same laws whatever the penalties are that are currently on the books they have to face those penalties how they make that happen they're in a much better position to understand the algorithms how do we test age what what security measures do we have in place but we don't let a bartender off if he's shown a fake id he still is going to get penalized if our um dea comes in and finds out he served uh, you know a uh, what's your favorite drink, Ed? If he serves that to an eighteen-year-old, mm-hmm. right?
3: So you're so, you're calling for criminal penalties on the platform?
5: Whatever is on the books.
3: Uh, Lindsey Graham was Lindsey Graham was pointing out that right now people cannot sue the platforms for civil damages. Uh, they're well, they're protected against that.
5: Well, our government has put the law in place. I'll just use pornography, because that's one I looked at before I called. You cannot access pornography under the age of 18. And if there is a corner store that sells porn, I don't think they do them in gas stations anymore, but you see these stores. If someone comes in under 18 and buys pornography... I don't know if that's a criminal penalty or a misdemeanor. Um, I'm not sure what the degree of penalty is, but our our law enforcement are burdened with the duty to enforce those laws.
3: All right, uh, Karen, thank you. I don't know if I've ever even heard of a case like that, where someone was accused of allowing minors to go in and Get access to porn. Uh,
4: I mean, I, I remember you know, Playboy's or whatever being sold at Seven Eleven when I was a kid. I never tried to buy one. I don't know what the consequences would have been yeah. had I did it. I know in you know, if a bar continually over uh, serves uh, underage drinkers or whatever, they may lose their liquor license and maybe some fines as well. I don't know if that would be you know, do you take away Instagram's ability or Facebook Meta's ability to operate as a social media website if this continues to happen? I mean, there is child trafficking on there. Mm-hmm. So maybe you know, I, that's a tough one.
3: Well, a lot of states have have started imposing age restrictions. Yeah, you have to be above a certain age to even get access to the platform, and that's that's being challenged by a lot of the platforms. That, yeah. Uh, let's go to Morris in Maynard, three nineteen. How are you today, Morris? Hey, Welcome.
6: Morris. Very well, sir. I'm concerned about uh, the liability thing that uh, Senator Graham mentions because I think uh, I've been banned and blocked or put in Facebook jail for all kinds of stuff, so I know they regulate the content and somebody monitors it, and if you're going to do the thing about minors and underage users, uh, that's just going to probably have them hire a bunch more employees for basically monitoring and compliance. And then you're also going to have, probably they'll have to say, well, this is too expensive now because we have, we're we accountable and liable, so we're going to charge you for the service or we'll increase the price of the advertising that's on the service. So I don't really see that as necessarily a panacea. I will say, though, it seems odd if they could say we're not responsible for the content. We're just a platform, and yet they turn around and say, well, you you said something that wasn't true about COVID and we're going to block you or put you in Facebook jail. You know, can you have it both ways where you can say you're not responsible and yet you want to uh, restrict what's said and who says it and when they say it that that's what I see as a contradiction. And that's where I think this section 230 of the communications act needs to really be revisited and brought up to current reality.
3: Uh, What would you call for?
6: You know, it's hard to say. I, I, I know the big thing with social media is not so much people saying, you know, propaganda or whatever, but uh, a lot of online chats and things like that, aren't those used by sex traffickers to entice and, and uh, kidnap or lead away uh, minors? That is something that really needs a lot more exposure. Uh, the number of uh, social media platforms that are used in the commission of uh, sex trafficking and minors.
4: That needs to be brought under the spotlight.
3: All right, Morris, thank you. You have a good afternoon. 512-836-0590.
4: Yeah, I think what he's referring to is the publisher versus uh, publisher versus platform argument. If you're just a platform for people to post and you're not responsible for what's on there, then mm-hmm. it's more Wild West. But if you're a publisher and you're taking responsibility and they act that way a lot, and he referenced the, the COVID stuff, if they are able to take you off of their platform for saying that COVID came from a lab in China, and they're able to do that on scale for, uh, for years, then something tells me they can also probably catch some child pornography, right? And catch it good and get it before it's really out there, mm-hmm. I think.
3: Well, I think that's a reasonable way to look at it. Yeah. Uh, it appears their priorities at one point in recent years were to keep conservative voices silenced or diminished as much as possible on a lot of topics. Absolutely. That certainly has been coming out in that case of Missouri versus Biden and all the efforts by various federal agencies that had direct contact to these social media platforms so that they could call them and say, hey, I don't like what Mark is posting right now. Take it down or make sure that it's not widely shared. Yeah. That was being done a lot by federal agencies.
4: Yeah. They, I think that the Twitter files exposed that as well. Blatant uh Blatantly going against the First Amendment, restricting people's right to, to speak uh, freely, express their opinions, uh, and the social media companies played along. They, act as, they acted as publishers taking responsibility for it, so maybe they should take responsibility for the trafficking of illicit you know, drugs or uh, child pornography or whatever the case may be. Here's Democrat
3: Senator Amy Klobuchar at today's hearing.
7: We've got to make this simpler for parents so they can protect their kids, and I just don't think this is going to be the way to do it. I think the answer is what Senator Graham has been talking about, which is opening up the halls of the courtroom um, so that puts it on you guys to protect these parents and protect these kids.
3: Yeah, so she's endorsing uh, giving parents and the public, for that matter, the option to go to civil court and sue these social media platforms. For damages.
4: Yeah, I th- I think that if they spend if they're spending five billion dollars to improve this, to make it more secure, Mark Zuckerberg is standing up and apologizing. It seems like they're taking ownership and they're recognizing the problem. If my child uses their platform and the and, and someone else on, on that platform entices them to do something awful, right, then I might want to sue them, too. And I think I probably should have the right to do that. I think, I mean, they're, they're admitting that there's there's the problem, and they're trying to fix it, but they're not, right?
3: Well, then you get to the day-in and day-out policing of it. There's the 20-year-old drug dealer out there who, sure. who claims that he is selling Percocet to teenagers, but it also has fentanyl in it. Yeah. And they, they have their own little emojis, their codes they use. How does the social media platform detect that guy and block what he's doing?
4: I think the social media I think that we would be naive to think that the social media platforms are not aware of what those emojis actually mean in those contexts, especially with the rise of of AI and the fact that they probably have access to much more uh, powerful AI than what's publicly available. Mm-hmm. I think that they could probably handle it if they wanted to if they wanted to. Yes, correct.
3: Wouldn't take long to learn the emojis and how those guys operate.
4: No, they, they, I think they
3: probably already know, yeah. Let's go to Paul in Round Rock at 325 on KLBJ. Good afternoon, Paul. How are you? Hey, Paul.
2: Um, well, thank you so much for taking my call. What a great topic today, and, and so many good callers with great suggestions. And yeah. So.
3: Yes, two, sir. Very, very important topic.
2: Well, it is, and, and you know, uh, we're, we're hearing all too often all of these tragedies, throughout the United States and, and, and the world and, as a whole. And, and it all ends up coming back to these social media companies that really have, you know, they, they, they just put their hands up like, well, it wasn't really us. And, and in effect, it really is. They need that. They need to get rid of all of the uh, liability restrictions uh, in Congress and allow people to, to these platforms. At the same time, they shouldn't be giving this away for free anyway. And so if anybody's about to call back and, and say, oh, well, Paul's out of his mind, Charge for the service. Everybody has some type of streaming service. This is all it really is. Is that You're just getting it for free, but it's streaming directly to your phone or to your home. Charge for the service. Be liable. And at the same time, get rid of the entire messenger system altogether. Because if you have friends or family that need to contact you, they already have your number. They can text you. They can call you. You don't need to communicate with your friends through messenger on the back end of this particular system because you're not finding these predators on the feeds. that's where they can see you mm-hmm. it's all happening behind the scenes in the messenger platform and you get rid of that you charge for the service you allow people that if anything comes bad of them they get to sue your butt and you know then we will see everything change on the flip of a coin
3: uh paul and when you say something bad happens give us uh Two examples well, well, of well, something bad. Well,
2: a lot of what, a lot of what we're talking about in terms of the cyberbullying or or some of these sexual predators or something like that. If they keep Messenger alive, regardless of whether they're che- charging for the service or even have liabilities, that that's kind of that's kind of happening behind closed doors, if you will. So it's it's not necessarily on Facebook. It's happening directly, you know, through it through uh, through direct contact, right? And so, you know, if if somebody were to be chased down and killed, and, and that person was tracked through the Facebook social media, there should be some type of recourse, and would they be legally liable? Well, right now, Congress made a law, I believe, on the books that states that they're not liable at all. I mean, there is no civil lawsuit. Am, am I correct in that? Yeah,
3: you, you were right about that. That uh, was back in the 90s, and there's a lot of debate yeah. now about how to yeah, but, adjust or amend that but, law.
2: Well, fo- follow, follow the money on that one. How many, how many problems were greased for that to get passed? You know, uh, because I mean, you know, I, it was like the uh, lady that called a little bit ago. There are a lot of laws on the books that restrict minors, uh, dependent upon your state, 18, possibly 21. You know, you can't go in, you can't buy alcohol, you can't buy pornography. You can't, you can't do this. You can't do that. You can't get cigarettes, all these different age groups. And yet, on social media all it's going to say and we've all seen it a screen pops up says are you at least 18 years of age you click yes or no who's clicking that you me or your 14 year old kid you know i mean
3: mm-hmm. all right gotcha paul thanks so much for the comments have a great afternoon 512 836 we'll check news headlines next on the half hour and then there's much more to cover right after the news on klbj
2: Mark, Melinda, and Ed are on your radio at 99.7 FM or 590 AM.
3: Hope you're having a great afternoon. Thank you for joining us. Ed and Melinda are off. Melinda returns tomorrow. Tiger is here producing. Brad Swale is here with me all the way to 6 o'clock live and local. If you're just touching base, we're discussing the hearing in the U.S. Senate today. The CEOs of all of the major social media platforms were brought in under oath to testify and take questions from members of the Senate. The topic is the growing threats to America's young people on social media platforms. Whether it's uh, sexual perverts preying on the kids online, whether it's drug dealers enticing them to buy their drugs, all of those things are being brought up today. And we're discussing it with you at 512 836 590 Mike is in Southwest Austin. Hey, Mike, welcome. How are you?
8: Hey, anyway, I'm glad I got to uh, catch the show today. Make sure Melinda's back tomorrow, please.
3: I will. But, uh, it's a priority, Mike. <laughs> all
8: right. Uh, just it's, it's. I believe that it's about the money. The U.S. is the largest pornography, and we're the worst child trafficking country in the world. You know, and so. I think it's about the money that Facebook and these others make off of it, and they don't want to stop that because it's way more than any other industry. It's a multi-billion-dollar multi multi-billion dollar industry. Why do they want to cut that? Plus, I do believe they contribute to these senators' campaigns and congresspeople, and so they just delay and talk big but never do anything about it. That's my fault.
3: Well, you're right about the amount of money they're spending now on lobbying. It's astronomical when you when you see the totals.
8: Yeah. And it's, and it's scary because I don't – I do think some of them care about the kids, but I think many of them care more about money to their campaigns. And those big – those companies are doing that. And they don't – or, you know, Facebook and all that are giving hundreds of millions of dollars away over a period of time to, to, to keep it going as, you know, the same thing over and over. They don't really want to change anything. They only talk about it. We've been, telling, we've been talking about this for 10 years or more.
3: Nothing's happened. At least, yeah. And it seems to be getting worse each year that goes by.
4: Yeah, we also get, I mean, this is yet another hearing where they bring people up and they they ask them these tough questions. And then we see all of these, you know, 30 second clips, a few minute clips or whatever on social media where our favorite congressperson or senator is really grilling these guys hard. And then it just, the story just sort of disappears a few months later because nothing really happens. And maybe it is because Mark Zuckerberg or, Whoever else these the CEOs are donating a lot of money to the campaigns, but I don't I don't know what it's what is it going to take to get this stuff to change?
8: Yeah, well, you know I, I can tell you that um, if I don't. Uh, and the, instead of grandstanding, the questions should be: Show me what you're doing to stop this. But they don't do that. They just get up there and blow VA and talk about deep Republicans and Democrats. They want the clicks. They want the whatever. I just don't think that they're going to really do anything about it, in in my opinion, because there's so much money.
3: Yeah, I I have uh, no confidence that Congress will come up with a satisfactory answer on any of this. No. And I I, I don't trust them. Even if they say we're going to come up with something, I wouldn't trust them to do it correctly.
8: Thank you for your time today, guys.
3: Thank you, Mike. You have a great afternoon. 512-836-0590. In Oregon, they have declared a 90-day state of emergency in Portland. The governor, the mayor of Portland, the county chairman of the county, including Portland, declared a 90-day emergency. They decriminalized all of the hard drugs a few years ago in Oregon, and now Portland is in a crisis it's, it truly is an emergency, so they have declared a 90-day state of emergency. But what they described that they're going to do, Brad, does not really sound like much of an answer to me. They said, uh, when our personnel have contact on the streets with people who are using fentanyl, we'll offer them counseling, we'll offer them access to other programs. That seems to be the main thrust of this 90-day emergency effort.
4: I feel like this this is where Austin would be if we're if we're not careful enough. They're going to offer these things to them. And it's the same thing we hear our local leaders talk about when they talk about homeless services. They're they're going to offer it to them, but they're not going there's no requirement to do it, right? So, hey, you're you're addicted to fentanyl, you're dying on our street. Please take this mental health service. And the person says no or whatever, and then they just have to move along. They can't mm-hmm. force them to do it. Right. You know, this is this is such a great example, you know, I think it's worth asking now. Does decriminalization work? Right? Is this something that I know that people in Austin want very similar things and they were successful with small amounts of marijuana? Is this is this what they want? Is this what Austin has to expect? Right? This sort of state of emergency?
3: Oregon has concluded that it was a failure and there's now an effort underway to bring back criminal penalties yeah. and real enforcement. Oregon was the first state in the country to decriminalize the possession of all drugs, including heroin and cocaine. That happened in 2020.
4: Yeah. I mean, it's it's. I, I think if it was maybe if it was the 70s and we're still talking about some, you know, some marijuana here and there, maybe we could have that conversation. But at this point in time, when you're talking about extremely addictive fentanyl, that's so easily accessible, heroin, all of. And I don't think it's the, the situation has changed right? No and question. People are suffering. Because yes. Of it.
3: People are dying. Yeah. Lives are being devastated. Five one two eight three six zero five ninety. 590 Robert in Dripping Springs wants to weigh in on this issue of social media. Hello, Robert. Welcome. How are you doing? Hey, Robert.
0: Uh, thank you. Thank you for letting me uh, speak, and I enjoy your program all the time.
3: Wow, that's outstanding. Thank you so much, Robert. We appreciate that.
0: What I want to say is, Forget the government. The government doesn't do anything that doesn't take years upon years to do. Parents are the answer. Parents need to take control of their children and take control of this media engagement. Yeah, I agree with you completely,
3: Robert. That's, that's the ultimate safeguard for these kids. It's their own parents who must constantly... Guide them, watch over them, give them advice. It is a full-time, nonstop effort, Uh, particularly in these days.
0: And and God gave us those instructions that we're supposed to take care of our children. He gave it to the Israelites. It still applies now. Yes, it does. Americans have become just too lenient. And worrying about some crybaby, 12-year-old, and is yanking the parent chain, that's that's the tail wagging the dog.
3: Raise him up and teach him in the way he shall go. That's the duty of the parents.
0: Absolutely. Exactly. Thank you.
3: Thank you, Robert. Have a great afternoon, sir. 512-836-0590. It is an enormous challenge these days. Uh, but parents? parents have to do it.
4: I, I mean, I know what you mean when you say it's an enormous challenge, but I don't know that it really, I, I get it. I, I understand the logic behind it, but I don't know if I agree with it. I don't think it is an enormous challenge. You're a parent. You're in control. You pay the bill. You buy the phone. You pay for the internet. You can easily just say no to all of those things mm-hmm. and your child can cry and whine and do whatever. And that's your job as a parent to say, sorry. You can do that all day, but I'm not I'm not giving in.
3: Let's go to Peter in Georgetown three forty with Mark and Brad Swale this afternoon. Hey Peter, how are
9: you? Okay. Uh I'm just calling from Austin. Uh that porn site, uh Golden Porn or uh Cookie Porn, uh they burned it down in Massachusetts and then they went viral other porn sites I get
8: on Cookie porn, uh
3: all right, uh, thank you for the call. Have a good afternoon. 341 now. There's much more to cover just ahead.
2: 512-836-0590. On your radio or streaming on your digital device, here are Mark, Melinda, and Ed.
3: 343, thank you for joining us. Ed and Melinda are off. Melinda returns tomorrow. Carol is with us on KLBJ. Good afternoon, Carol. How are you?
7: Hi, fine. Another fine subject I felt really fired up about, I had to call you and tell you um, about. I do agree that it should be parents who are in charge and not the government. But the government has gotten so involved in parenting. I have an ex-husband. When he In his previous marriage, he came into a situation with a daughter, uh, a stepdaughter, and he tried to discipline. He tried to just even verbally discipline. And the next thing you know, uh, child protective services were called by the kid. So it's a great idea. But we have given all the power away. And, and then how do you even, well, if you're lucky enough to have two parents, and I like to say lucky enough, but then you've got one that's on board, one that isn't, where do we even start with this mess? I mean... I just think it's, just, it's a terrible mess, but we've taken all the tools away from parents. Corporal punishment weren't real good on me. My daddy was military, and he had a—he only had to spank me once or twice. And after that, all I had to do was, wait, till your dad gets back from a trip, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was a good two weeks of, oh, my God, what's going to happen? I mean, one time it was so bad, I made him laugh. I put three little golden books down the back of my stretchy shorts, And my daddy laughed so hard he couldn't expect me. (laughs) But I had a really good respect for my father, and children don't have respect for their parents. Everybody's working so hard to try and give them everything, and they're missing the most important thing. They're not giving them respect. They're not learning respect for people, for each other, for elders, for anybody. And it's a sad situation, and I don't know how we're going to change it.
4: Well, I think, I mean, as I
7: can...
4: I can speak as a parent that... I have to sort of earn that respect for my children. Of course, there should be some natural respect there, but I also have to earn it. And part of earning it is standing up and saying, no, you can't do this. Here's why. And I'm not going to budge on that because it's my job to protect you from the evils of the world. Because I was once your age, and I know all of the stupid things that I did. And I'm trying to protect you from doing that as well, falling, you know, making the same mistakes that I did. And so part, yeah. of respect, part of earning that respect is standing up and saying, no, you can't do this.
7: Well, backing it up is another thing. They're so sneaky nowadays. They have access to phones. I'll never forget the first time I saw my ex-husband's son. Look, I saw just all I saw was the back of his head or, his, you know, the top of his head. He had it down looking at the phone. And the phones first came out, you know, what, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. The kid had a cell phone at 11. And that was the beginning of the end of any control over that child.
3: Carol, thank you. Appreciate it. Have a good afternoon. 512-836-0590. Bob is in Spicewood with Mark and Brad. How are you doing today, Bob? Hey, Bob.
9: Oh, finer than frog hair, split several different ways. i tell you what, it's a beautiful day, and the Lord's been happy with all of us out here. Good. I'd like to say that, that we'll appreciate it, and I hope you guys are doing the same, having to live in the People's Republic of Austin and Travis County. But... Needless to say, if you don't have the discipline, control, love and affection, care and spend time with your children, by the time they're 18 months and no later than two years old, the die is cast. And if you wait until they reach pre-adolescence, then if you lay a hand on them in the most calm and decent way, they're going to call child protection services. And if you discipline them Uh, by keeping them away from their friends and keeping away from which they get a lot of stuff from and keeping them out of the public eye by having them uh, be campused at home or uh, on probation at home then you have another situation where you're taking advantage of them and you're abusing them according to the government I just don't know what folks are going to do once their kids get to be That age, and my wife had to retire from uh, everything but uh, special ed uh, being those low performance students and uh, gifted and talented. Her last three or four years in in the school system, she finally had to retire.
3: All right, uh, Bob, thank you. I think parents uh, need to have courage, do what you know is right, and stick to it, stand your ground. it can be very hard. You have to say no a lot, Yep. but it's in the best interest of your child over the long term.
4: Yeah, you definitely need to stand your ground, and you also need to presume that your child is going to try to manipulate you and give you false information. Those parents that say, oh, this is not going to happen to my kid, He's he or she is very responsible— they'll stay out of it, and your kid's going to put on that face and try to make you think that, mm-hmm. but you still have to be on guard and presume that they're not being responsible.
3: Let's go to Jamie and Corpus Christi on KLBJ. Good afternoon. Welcome. How are you? Doing pretty good. How are y'all? Hey, we're great. Nice to hear from you.
10: Yeah, so I'm on the way to Waco, and I caught, I just tuned into y'all's show, and I thought it was very interesting, and I'm from the Corpus Christi area, but, you know, I... I raised my kids as a single parent, and at uh, one time I had a co-parenting facilitator tell me that my the relationship with my kids didn't start until uh, they were 18, and that hit me pretty hard And because, uh, you know, being in their lives every day, like, you know, when you're together as two parents should be, uh, it, it's hard to be on track and, and involved in what they're doing on a day-to-day basis, and having all this access with technology and social media, it, it's extremely difficult to find out what they're doing, what's going on, and then just try to be involved somehow. Somehow try to be their friend, to gain their trust, to open up to you, and then turn it around and be like, okay, now I got to be the parent, you know, but not hard enough to scare them off. And I, I, of all the perspectives I've heard and I agree with, I think when it's the one that says that starts with the parent, that's the most challenging of all is when the parents are separated, and that's what you have to deal with. You might not agree with the other parent. The other parent might just run off and do whatever they want, and then you have to wait your turn till they come to your household. And then it's, no, this is how it is with me. And, and that, I just wanted to throw that out there, that it's, uh, it's one of those points in life. And how
3: old are, are your kids right now?
10: Uh, now my my kids are 14 and 16.
3: And and what's happening in in their lives? How would you characterize what's going on?
10: It it recently just took a big a big turn. Uh, my son is the oldest. Uh, he went down the path of going out to parties. The high school, you know, he's into the football, so he wants to be the popular one. Um, he got in, into doing tattoos. The mom bought him all the all the stuff off Amazon of all places, and we got into it. He started talking to me like I was one of his friends and I shot him down on that. And he shut me out. Uh, my daughter actually left mom mom's house and is currently living with my brother just so she can stay in school where she's at to finish out. And she told me one day, she's like, dad, I, I realize now, and I'm sorry, like everything that you're trying to do, like I get it now. And I made a big mistake. And and, it's bittersweet like it hurts at the same time. It feels good that my stubbornness of trying to do right and instill what I was brought up with to instill in my kids somehow, some way and eventually got through and I just had to stay on course and keep, keep putting it out there, you know, and keep putting it on them. Yes. And I got, I got one of them to come around and now it's I got to work on my son somehow. And then that relationship, I just, I don't know how yet. And that's, that's,
3: well, well, hang in there. Keep doing what you're doing. At, at least your daughter has come around. That's a positive. Yeah. And you were consistent, and you didn't back down. Thank you for the call. Have a good trip.
4: Gives me hope as a father that, you know, I I, I worry about that same thing, kids rebelling against me and stuff like that, but just if I stick my course, maybe they'll – that's my hope. They'll say, Dad, I realize maybe you were hard some, too hard sometimes, but I realize you were tr- just trying to help.
3: Uh, absolutely. That's that's what it's all about. Here are the numbers, 512-836-0590. 352 now, eight minutes before the top of the hour. We have news coming up at the top of the hour. You can weigh in with your thoughts. Also, we want to get your thoughts on this story out of Houston, where a state district court judge is refusing to remove himself from seven domestic violence cases that he has been assigned to his court Now, this is important because this judge, Frank Aguilar, himself is facing a charge of domestic violence, slugging his girlfriend, stomping on her throat. That's what he's accused of doing. And the district attorney's office filed a motion in court asking him to step away from all of the domestic violence cases now assigned to this judge. And this judge is saying, no, I'm going to keep hearing these cases.
4: Uh, this seems like such an open and shut case of, uh, yes, you should recuse yourself. You are being accused of the same thing, of the same thing that you're trying to uh, adjudicate. You should not do that stuff. You can go adjudicate other cases. I don't, this is, what what is his reasoning? Is he, uh, judges are taught, right? They're, they're trained to, that they, they have internal biases and they're trying to set those aside. They know all about biases. I, I
3: think, uh, whatever governing body oversees these district judges in Harris County needs to step in and say, uh, these cases are being moved. Yeah. You're not going to hear these cases. Barbie Brashear is with the Harris County domestic violence coordinating council. She says, I think if there's a victim that knows this is going on in that courtroom, how are they going to feel? Can they feel that they're going to get justice from this judge when he himself is facing a charge Of punching out his girlfriend and stomping on her neck,
4: yeah. Or you know, to uh, on the flip side, he may be extra hard and uh, convict people that maybe not are that are maybe not guilty because he wants to be seen in his own case as being really hard on that type of behavior. Mm -hmm. And it's it throws everything that he does into question.
3: Yeah, she goes on to say it's very concerning to think a judge who's been charged with something like this is going to see the same things in the courtroom. ...and reach the right conclusions. But he's, uh, so far, he's saying, no, I'm staying right here. I'll keep hearing these kinds of cases until I have my own day in court.
4: He deserves his own day in court. No one, I don't think anybody's trying to take that away from him. I don't think anybody is saying, hey, you're guilty of this stuff. I think that it's it's just, hey, you're being accused of it. And you and I just came up with two very good ways in which it could affect his judgments... And you just need to step away, not because you're guilty, but because you're accused.
3: Five one two eight three six zero five ninety. 836 590 thehill.com says Democrats are growing more and more concerned by the day over Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s campaign and how they believe it may hurt President Biden in his effort to get to reelected. RFK Jr. now is talking about maybe becoming the libertarian candidate, which would certainly make it a lot easier for him to get on the ballot Particularly in the key states.
4: Uh, so he goes from Democrat to independent to maybe libertarian. Yes, yes. I don't think that he's a very libertarian guy, but I guess, you know, if the libertarians are looking for a good candidate, he's probably better than anything they've put up in the past several elections. So that's interesting that he's doing that. And Biden should be worried. Biden should be worried about everybody. Yes. Everybody.
3: Yeah. Uh, one of the chairmen of the Libertarian Party in California, where Kennedy Jr. has been working recently and may be getting lined up to be their candidate in California. He says, look, most of Kennedy's supporters are people from across the spectrum. He says, my personal objection to Kennedy is uh, his position on gun laws. I'm a big Second Amendment absolutist, and he is far from that, and there's no way I could support him as our party candidate.
4: Like I said, he is not a libertarian by any stretch. Uh, He's much better than the other candidates they've put put up there in the past. but so it's an interesting move. I don't know what the libertarian how the libertarian party is going to react to this. Maybe they'll be excited that they'll actually get some news some good news maybe
3: could be all right. Uh, we've got more to cover right after the top of the hour news. It's Mark and Brad Swale with you right here on news radio KLBj.
0: Dr. Mark Malone from Advanced Pain Care on how the spinal cord stimulator blocks pain signals, bringing patients relief at last. And we're able to
1: tune this device to mimic that frequency and essentially block it.
0: I've seen people
1: shed tears of joy in the recovery room. When they wake up from their light anesthesia and we turn this device on and they realize their back pain is gone, they cry for joy.
0: Advanced Pain Care at 512-244-4272 or austinpaindoctor.com.